SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, here on the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. I am Dane Martinez, and with me, as always, is my main man, Kevin Walsh, our number two of the early line. And, Kevin, we're going to focus on baseball here. And I got to tell you something. Uh, you know, there is a huge game tonight, and you may never expect it, but the Baltimore Orioles and the Miami Marlins are playing tonight, or now, in Camden Yards at 735 tonight, and it will mark the first time in a long time that these Marlins have been in action, okay? And this is what we're talking about in 2020, Kev. Check this out. The Orioles are 5-3, and three, hosting the 2-1 and one Marlins. How do we look at this game? We saw the Phillies last night after not playing and having Garrett Cole as their kind of reward. Here, the Orioles are spending up John Means. It's a little bit different with his 19.29 ERA. It may be a little bit easier. But what can we even expect with this, you know, average AAA team that the Marlins now are in their return to action after about a week off? Yeah, I mean, the, the long and short of it all is I have no idea. I won't. I will know, you know, I feel like next to no players that the Marlins are meant to trot out there. We don't have a starter yet listed for this game. Uh, I'm sure like Baltimore has brand names either, though, on a daily basis. No, they don't, but they're not a minor league baseball team. They're still (laughs) the Baltimore Orioles, right? I mean, it's nice to see him back. The one thing that is funny to me, and I don't know if it's, I don't know if funny is the right word, but, you know, for a team to miss, um, kind of be missing in action the way they are, the one thing that would always be nice is you'd be able to probably come back. Like, if there were fans, right, the standing ovation that you would see in the crowd, like, it would almost be chilling. Like, it would be a beautiful sight. But there are no fans. And the reason that there are no fans is the same reason that we haven't seen the Marlins play a baseball game since, like, two Sundays ago or one Sunday, whatever it might be, over a full week, though, now at this point, obviously. So it's it's just it's just such a weird thing, man. Like, are they yeah. up for it? Are they rusty? Do they miss it? I, I, you know, do these guys now look go out there and look to seize an opportunity? Uh, there, there's just so much unknown heading into the game. But it will be interesting to see uh, because I do believe Rojas, and I don't know if Rojas is still going to even be a part of this lineup. It's hitting like seven fifty, so uh, it'll <laughs> be nice to see if we can have a guy bat five hundred. Well, I, you know, I don't think anyone's going to hit 400, let alone 500. But then again, yeah. think about this. We were talking about the variants that condense 60 games. What happens if like the Marlins wind up playing 18 games? <laughs> right? Like then I guess it is possible for someone to hit 500. And that's absolutely crazy. I think you're right. The difference of no fans in the stands, you know, and kind of the moment that it could be with the Marlins coming on back is interesting. I wanted to ask you about that. I saw two things that were interesting in this Yankees-Phillies game yesterday where the fact that there were no fans mattered, in my opinion. I don't know if you saw this, but early in the game, I think it was Real Muto, maybe. Someone hit a drive to, like, right center field in between Judge and Hicks, and they just let the ball drop. 
on the warning track. It just dropped. You know, it just landed. And these guys were there, just didn't catch it. It was obvious afterwards that they either lost the ball in the lights or something like that. And Paul O'Neill, who was on the telecast, made the point that without fans in the stands and the kind of batter's eye that that is, it's different. The ball's coming off the bat, you know, up against that different backdrop. And so that is something different as we welcome in our radio audience around the country here on the grid. The other thing that I saw in that Phillies-Yankees game, Kev, with no fans in the stands, and you're talking about the reception they would have gotten, the Yankees, you know I think they're class, decided to still, in between innings, do video packages for Didi Gregorius and for Joe Girardi, given their time and their championships with the New York Yankees. Yeah, and, and, and they deserve it. Uh, I mean, Didi Gregorius is the greatest Yankee of all time, no exaggeration. <laughs> that statement, of course. Uh, Joe Girardi was part, you know, managed the World Series winning team. So you got to always give those guys their credit. You like to see that. Uh, I mean, the question is, you know, and you'll try and take away from this game as much as you might be able to when it comes to uh, the Marlins. Right. The Phillies offense, three runs, eight hits in a game that Garrett Cole pitched, you know, a Yankees, a good Yankees bullpen. I, I think that that's all right. Like, this isn't a game that I would say the Phillies lost because of the layoff. I think that they. They just ran into right now what is the best team in baseball with, you know, their ace on the mound. So I wouldn't uh, right now head into the Marlins uh, game and say, oh, okay, the bats will be slow based on what I saw from the Phillies game. If anything, you'd just say, no, all business, all, all systems go. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, being able to do that against Garrett Cole after the layoff, you know, putting up a few runs. It wasn't at least like, you know, you see the obvious result of the layoff. I think you frame that absolutely correct problem just is right now. Aaron Judge and the Yankees are just crushing everybody. They are at eight and one. DJ LeMayhew with another bomb. They continue to roll. It's going to be very hard to beat the Yankees, especially if they stay healthy with that lineup and Garrett Cole at the top of the pitching rotation. I do want to ask you though, we've got a bunch of other games to profile here. When we come back, I got to ask you, you know, are there any teams that you are starting to warm up on that you think are taking a step forward? Just give it to me in like one or two words. Who are our new adopted teams here? Who do we have to focus on? Who's really surprising you? You know, I love the pods. We got to talk about the Look, as much as we talk about the Padres, as much as the Dodgers are supposed to be the best team in baseball. Uh, you want to go to Colorado. Right? You got to get in their credit. Colorado. If, All look, right. Here's a, if, we li- if we think the Padres are as good as they are, yeah, the Rockies are right. where they – like, we have to give them their credit. Uh, they, look, this is going to be a competitive West, man. All right. Absolutely. And so when we come back on the early line – that's where we will go. We will go west for all our fans and followers and listeners there covering what's happening on the Pacific Coast baseball tomorrow when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, we go west. And, look, because it is very interesting, you know. I mean, Kevin, 
going into this season, everybody thought the NLS, forget it, the entire National League was like the Dodgers and everybody else. And so you are correct to keep the Colorado Rockies top of mind. They got a 7-6 victory over the Giants yesterday. It is the Rockies who are in first place in that division. The Rockies who are 7-2, and two, matching the best start in team history. Nolan Arenado going down. I will note, however, they'll be without one of their big bullpen guys, Wade Davis, who the Rockies sent to the IL. They get the Giants again today. No one thinks the Giants are really that dangerous. Do the Rockies continue streaking like they're Will Ferrell in old school? Look, the problem is that this whole season is out of control because the Giants <laughs> have been one of the best offenses in baseball. Like They've got the True. fifth most runs scored in baseball because, of course, they do. And the Rockies have the sixth best ERA in baseball, nothing makes sense. I understand none of the things. The only thing, honestly, that like we've been able to take away, be like, yeah, that makes sense, is the Yankees are the greatest team in the history of baseball. Aside from that, I mean, it, it stuff's all over the place. <laughs> I'll say, though, this game was was a game that, Dane, you would have loved for in-game live purposes. And, and I think, guys, it's, it's something that uh, Cam last night put into perspective for me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's really eye-opening. I hadn't thought of it that way before. The Giants took a 3-1 lead, and he goes, and he was kind of put in respect. He goes, here's why you can still back the Rockies here. It was the total is 13. Wait, right. There's not going to be more runs in this game? We just Are talked about that me? on the NBA on the other side, right? Big spread, Eggs. low total, using the total as the cue. I like that. So and that was kind of the – so even if, say, the Rockies get up early, 3-0, right. 4-0, whatever right. it might be, Giants are probably going to score some runs as well. Now, Herman Marquez has been really good to start yes. this season, and I'm sure the line will reflect that. But I thought it was a really good point. When you want, if you want to buy back on a team, especially the favorite, aka you know the Rockies, I guess, in the, you know what would be this spot at mm-hmm. a, at Coors Field or wherever you see a really high total, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. And you know, as we try to not only give people a fish but teach them how to fish, looking at the clues the total give you on the score is definitely. Something to look at. Well, Kev, you know, the Rockies are seven and two. Okay, there's two other teams in the NLS that we got to talk about. Everybody knew about the Dodgers. And listen, they're home and right along at seven and four. But there's also my adopted squad of the fathers, the San Diego Padres, who are also seven and four after a win last night against Los Angeles. Will Myers goes yard in that one. Paddock and Bueller, the young studs. Both kind of representative, giving up three runs, going five or six innings, and they are back at it today with young guys who can strike hitters out in May mm-hmm. and Lamette throwing the slab. This is a matchup of two seven and two teams. Remember, the second place team in every division does qualify for the playoffs. I am intrigued not only in this game, but in some strikeout props as well when May and Lament hook up. This is a good matchup, Kev. No, it is a very good matchup, uh, and I, I will say the thing about the Dodgers, they're 7-4, and four, but it does feel as if they've just, you'd expect them to be a little bit more dominant. That's just kind of what we've come to expect from this team. Here's my question to you. So yesterday, we liked the over in this game of 8, and in fact, it closed at 7.5, and, and we got their 9 total runs in the game. Mm. That was with Bueller and Paddock on the mound. Now, May and right. have both been very good to start this season. But eight and a half. Now, maybe they feel like it was fluky that this game got under, or maybe there's only so many runs that can tack on. I'm not sure. 
But Dustin May is not Walker Bueller, and Lamette is not Chris Paddock. The eight and a half yeah. still feels low to me when I look at these two lineups. Yeah, I mean, I think going over, you're right. If they're staying in the same number as yesterday, and I agree with you, we get a a notch lower when it comes to the starting pitchers. These bullpens are both, you know, kind of still in play as well. I'm with you. I can see this game going over, you know, if if Paddock and Bueller couldn't hold the offenses down, what what is the rationale to think that these two will um, as well? I'm with you. As we go to the AL, though, West, I do. This is not the game you think I would be talking about, but I want to ask you about Angels Mariners. Okay, and because in this game, we know about Shohei Otani. We've heard the update about him with the MRI. He still may be able to DH. Well, now we're getting maybe another piece to this Angels lineup. Prize prospect Joe Adele is being called up. And the way the Angels have played so far, the way I'm saying is for Joe Adele, mine as well, uh, because hmm. it isn't like they're doing anything. They could use the boost in the lineup. They can use the kick getting his feet wet, right? Yeah, might as well. And, you know, Trout's supposed to be back with the team. So it, it'll be interesting just kind of see maybe they get a little boost from that, a little boost from Joe Adele. Those are the type of things that can really spur uh, a team on. Uh, again, though, gosh, I, I mean, the line, what is it with Angels Matters? I mean, they're on the road right. and they're minus 196 on the money line. Like, they this has got to be a fade for Dunn on the hill for Seattle. It's got to be. Think about and it is, but like the Cubs at home against the Royals with Kyle Hendricks on the mound right now are listed at minus 196. That's what right. about Andrew Heaney on the mound. Now, Justin Dunn saw this team actually already in L.A. He went three innings uh, of one-hit baseball, but, you know, gave up two earned runs, did give up a home run. And that's not horrendous. It was a 10-7 win for the Mariners in that game. If I had to play it, I, I this late game here, I'd play it over. I've been burnt on this Angels team right. trying to think that, oh, there's no way the Mariners. And they do. I think the only way I could play it would be over nine. All right. Fair enough. I mean, I, you know, the Mariners offense doesn't really inspire me. Neither does the Angels. At this point, I, I understand what you're saying is the fade on Dunn. I may go the other way, just not thinking that there's enough offensive firepower in this one to matter. You know where I will go under? I've been talking about this guy for a long time, and out west, he's going to make his first start when I look at the Oakland Athletics here today, mm. Kevin. I see the name of the starting pitcher. You know I'm all about it. Jesus Lazardo. I am very intrigued by this one. Lance Lynn, on the other side as well, has been pitching well. Could this be an under of eight? You know, I, I, the total is a little bit lower, but I believe in Lazardo. And Lynn in this one. How do you see Texas Oakland? Are you as excited as I am for Lazardo to get the start? Yeah, look, I've heard obviously a lot of great things uh, about Lazardo, and this is going to be a, a big spot. Now, he did come in in a relief spot against the Rockies, right. and very much so under delivered in that spot. Um, he yeah. did have a good first outing uh, against the Angels. Like Lance Lynn, though, kind of is, or might you might argue, would be the pitching edge. In this matchup, but if Lance Lynn's going to do what he's done, and if Jesus Lazardo is going to be as good as he is, like, yeah, the total's eight. There's a reason the total is eight here. The worry for me, well, a little bit about playing this game under, uh, would be did the A's bats finally wake up yesterday, scoring 11 runs against the Mariners 
those bats had been so quiet, not being able to cash in on in, in runners in scoring position. And I'm just wondering if now maybe, uh, you know, kind of returning back home, if those bats start to wake up a bit here, I think your play of the under makes sense, but the minus 160 isn't bad. Maybe even a minus one and a half around plus 135. All right. Um, I, I do think that these pitchers, especially with a new arm like this in that first spot, a lot of times they go gangbusters for like their first five innings, you know, and can actually hold them down, but just not go the whole route. You know, Kev, I know we don't have a lot of time here. It's just a minute until break. We'll talk about these games more um, in a second. And I wanted to go to Atlanta specifically, but honestly, what are we doing this NL East? The Marlins have played three games. The Phillies have played four games. You know, at this point, a team like the Phillies, you know, when they see Atlanta continuing to win, or the Cardinals, when they see the Cubs getting out to a hot start and they have to be sidelined in quarantine, do you think that has a lasting impact on them? When they come on back, more pressure? Honestly, though, right now, no, because they just lost their ace, Mike Soroka, for the year. Yeah, I was going to go there, yeah. Because his Achilles uh, injury, and now you look at it, the Mets fall over themselves. No one's going to really buy the Marlins. The Nats have been uninspiring. The Braves lose their, like, the whole NL East right now just feels putrid, and they were supposed to be the best division in at least the National League, if not baseball. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? We talked about this. The Braves are really the only team above 500. I don't think Marlins qualify at this point, right? So we'll turn our attention and look at the NL East and the NL Central, which is similar when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. As always, we thank Chris Welsh for giving us plugged in here with all the news updates. And Kev, one of the things he mentioned was that Soroka, the Braves ace, it looks like has a torn Achilles and he is going to miss the rest of the year. Big time blow, Kev, for this Braves team who a lot of people thought could make some noise. I believe they were the second choice to win the NL pennant. They stand at 7-4 and four right now. I'm going to call them the de facto leaders in the NL East because I don't understand what the winning percentage. Sure, the Marlins are technically 2-1, and one, but I'm not going to count them. I don't even know if they're going to qualify for any playoffs. So there you have the Braves as really like the only team above 500, um, you know, with enough games to really qualify. They get going with Soroka down. Max Freed is kind of like next man up to become the ace. And he is on the hill today when these Braves take on the Blue Jays. They are minus 188 favorites with Freed on the line, if you uh, on the slab. If you want to play the run line, minus one and a half, then you could get the Braves at plus money today. And what's interesting is the FanDuel Sportsbook has actually right now taken down the odds to win the NL East. Uh, maybe part of that having to do with the Miami Marlins and the Philadelphia Phillies yeah, having played a lot of complications so on that game. <laughs> also, let's not forget that they already lost Mike Fultonevich from what was this opening day rotation after sending him down. So this is sure. now a starting rotation that's lost two of the five guys they entered the year with. I, I just that is substantial to me. A little bit of a layoff here for the Blue Jays who were playing some good baseball before that break. The minus 188 does feel a little high to me, and I think maybe the total, Dane, feels a little low. 
<laughs> Tell me a little bit why on the total. Because um, I, I, I don't know that I agree that that total is necessarily low. Um, why do you think uh, Why do you think these guys are going to hit uh, score some runs today? Well, again, I, I'm not now scared off kind of by layoffs after what I saw, I think, from the okay. Phillies, even though we've not seen the Blue Jays in a couple of days. I think that their bats can still go out there uh, and be good. I think also maybe it helped them a little bit. Bo Bichette, even though I know he played in that uh, that final uh, game back on the 30th, now probably fully healthy, feeling good. Uh, I still believe in this Blue Jays offense. And the Braves are the type of team, after what I thought was a pretty disappointing day at the plate, has the ability to bounce back against Shoemaker. All right, fair enough. We will see if the Braves get back on the good foot in terms of their offense in that one against Toronto. Now, listen, in the NL East, though, Kev, right, it's so hard to make any sense out of the Marlins with their three games. It's so hard to make sense out of the Phillies with their now four games, right? We talk about the Braves as above 500, you know, seven and four, kind of leading the pack. What they need to do is stay clear of the Mets and the Nationals. And those two teams renew their hostilities today as well. Kev, if, if, if one of these teams sweeps the other, you know, in this series, then they're right there nipping at the Braves, right? And today, at least we know one of the starters, it will be Steven Matz towing the slab for the Mets. How do you see this one? I mean, the Mets are a little bit, I, you know, they're a little bit of a comedy act right now, right? We don't know the idea of, Okay, Cespedes has opted out, and there was a little bit of drama around that one. We know DeGrom is still there, pitching well, but still not winning games for the Mets. And then I also got to ask you about Pete Alonso. Alonso, with his 53 home runs last year, has not gotten out of the gate strong, right? So there's a compromised Alonso. Cespedes has been lifted from the meat of this order. What are you now expecting from that Mets offense that at one point was heralded by more than just me to be one of the best offenses in the National League, the Nats and the Mets need to start getting on the right foot if they're going to keep up pace with the Braves. Yeah, no, I think that that's a very good point. They are going to have to start, both of these teams, really, they have to start figuring exactly, it yeah. out. Well, what stands out to me here, now listed over uh, at the FanDuel Sportsbook, is we've got Patrick Corbin on the mound. We've not yeah. seen Patrick Corbin since the 26th of July. That is a mm. long, long layoff yeah. for Corbin. But it begs the question, Dan, and I'll pass it back to you. Does that worry you, Rust? Or could we see eight innings of work from Pat Corbin, or at least to, to the point where he really gets to empty the tank today against the Mets? I think we will see a higher pitch uh, limit um, out of Corbin. And you're right, he hasn't started since that date you mentioned in late July. But, you know, I'm sure he's been getting his work in. I'm sure he's been throwing side sure. sessions. And the goal has is the same, right? To stretch the starting pitcher out to the point where they can put forth their normal kind of uh, allotment of pitches, shall I say. So I believe that Corbin will be stretched out, even though he didn't see those bullets fly out of the chamber in game situations. I think mm -hmm. he will be able to, you know, get close to the 90 or 100 pitches, whatever it is that they have him slated for. I think you'll see a pretty full effort from Corbin. And to be quite honest, um, you know, I do think he can kind of contain these Mets bats that have not truly fired except for like one or two times against the Boston Red Sox and their pitching. Kev, and go to the center. Let me just oh, add, if I may, um, yes, may, was a late scratch from that game. Rosario True. and Cano all left injured. So the Mets also might not really be without three guys that are regular starters for them as well. So don't be surprised if they're officially ruled out. This minus 156 closes closer to minus 170-ish. No, I think that's a good point. When you talk about guys like McNeil, Cano, you know, think about what this lineup was, 
right? You take away a McNeil, you take away a Cano, you take away a, a Cespedes, you know, uh, Rosario as well, although not a huge bad, right? And then Alonso has gotten out of the gate slow. I think he's still hitting only around like 100 or something, you know, in that area. So absolutely the Mets offense, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired. I do want to though, go to the central because I see a similar kind of aspect here. We know the Cardinals, Kev are, you know, on pause, right? And yeah. here, the Cubs are the only team above 500 because they got to win, you know? And, and and I look at the Reds as well, one of those teams that we talked about a little bit. They were dealing with some of inconsistencies as it related to COVID as well, right? Moustakis kind of was out. Joey Votto self-reported, but he came back yesterday and they got to win the Cincinnati Reds got a win, Votto hit one out, and they renew kind of uh, hostilities with the Cleveland Indians, Cleveland and Cincinnati, that battle of Ohio, and Shane Bieber on the mound again for the Cleveland Indians. This may be where I go with an under today, Kev, because Bieber has been lights out, literally still pitching to a zero ERA. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's got 27 strikeouts. Like Shane Bieber right now is quite comfortably the, the Cy Young if the season ended today. Point, I think yes. what stands out to me is, you know, when you think about these two teams, right, party had to wonder, are we going to get Gray Bieber, Clevenger versus Bauer, Castillo sure. versus Carrasco? And we're kind of missing out on those matchups. Now, Plesak looked uh, really good yesterday and was a more than, uh, you know, formidable opponent to go up against Sonny Gray. I'm not sure the same can be said about uh, Tyler Mayley uh, going up here against Shane Bieber. Uh, I think this price right now, minus 148 for Bieber against the Reds, is a price that I'll be willing to pay. Yeah, I mean, Bieber has looked absolutely incredible. And it's the kind of thing like where you just start riding the streak, right? You can continue to ride with him until he bucks you, right? So I would be very interested in Bieber starts moving forward. To be quite honest, I agree with you, Kev. He looks like the best pitcher in all of baseball. I started out by saying in this NL Central um, that the Cubs were on top over the Reds who have to deal with Bieber today. As I look at the Cubs, though, and this could be, Kev, remember how going into the season we talked a lot about this Central division and how the path may be a little bit more clear? Well, I look at the Cubs, right? They stand at eight and two and they get, you know, I mean, they get the Royals, right? They get the Royals again. They beat them to nothing yesterday. Uh, Chris Bryant goes yard. They got Kyle Hendricks on the hill. And I think they have the pitching matchup edge against Brady Singer. And this is the kind of thing I think we are going to see when these teams in the central who have designs in the playoffs, you know, get a lot of series against Kansas City, Detroit, Pittsburgh, some of these other also rands. They will have a day by day advantage. The Cubs are at eight and two. Big-time favorites again today. Do you think they can keep it rolling? Yeah, you'd have to like them, obviously, in this spot. Um, I, I'd be interested to see what a total looks like. Kyle Hendricks did get touched up a bit his last uh, go-around, and this Cubs offense only putting two runs across the plate yesterday. Could they maybe bounce back a little bit and have a better day against Singer? I think that's possible. Uh, you do have to be cautious, though, right? We've talked about this a lot. You keep going through the slate. Oh, I like this favorite. I like this favorite. I don't see how right. this team loses. And then all of a sudden, you kind of you go back to it and go, oh, man, I cannot believe that Kyle Hendricks couldn't even get out of the right. first. Do you know what I mean? Like Just like those things kind of happen. So you have to be cautious with how you play these things. I, I'd be interested in a total here, depending on where the number lands. 
Okay, well, we have another scenario, okay? Kev, again, in the Central, same thing, right? Like, maybe the Cubs can get healthy and keep going against the Royals. The leaders of the AL Central have a similar opportunity. The 8-2 and two Twins send Rich Hill to the mound. And remember, I like Rich Hill in short bursts, almost like he's Zion Williamson, right? He was always able to go five innings and be good, and that's what he did last time out. That's what he may do again. He is on the Hill, this time facing Joe Musgrove. Remember, it's a similar thing, right? Cubs leading the NL Central, gets to face Kansas City, may have an advantage to put some distance. The inverse is true in the Central, Kev. The Twins are 8-2, and two, have the Pirates again, may get a working margin. Is this a place where you just pencil in Minnesota, or is this a place where, like you said, you know, it can't all be favorites? Now, let me just make the update here. Uh, now ESPN, unfortunately, hasn't updated it. Rich Hill has got put on the 10-day IL. So we don't know oh, actually okay. who's yet to be the starter Fair for enough. a 2 Thank o'clock you. baseball game. And that's no problem. That's why this this line is not listed right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Uh, so that is the update there. The other uh, question, though, you have to ask yourself is, with the game yesterday, so you see a 5-4 win. Oh, okay, it was a tight game. Maybe you guys didn't watch it. It was a 4 nothing lead for yeah. the Pirates, and they blew it. Nelson Cruz with a big time. Does, you know what I mean? You, you, you ask yourself, well, did that kind of break their spirits a bit? But I tried that once before with the Pirates. So they had their spirits broken, and they should lose the next day, and they didn't. I'll stay away from this mm-hmm. game. All right, fair enough. There's a look at most of the games in Major League Baseball. But when we come back, our guy from Pharrell Coast to Coast, Mike Carver, joins the show. We got to talk more of the NHL playoffs continue to go on, and there's some value to be had. We talk about it with Carver when we come back right here on the early line. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got my main man, Kevin Walsh. And we are also joined now by Mike Carver. You can hear him on this network, of course, on Coast to Coast with Scotty Farrell. Hey, Mike, how are you doing today so far? Good morning, boys. What's going on? Right early for you. Great. <laughs> Burning the candle at both ends. We thank you, Carver, for spending a couple of minutes with us. And I want to start on this, you know. When we were um, going into this bracket and we were like, oh, this is cool, getting extra teams in for the play-in games, I was very intrigued, Carver, by the top four seeds and this kind of round-robin action that they are doing. And in essence, to be honest, I think it sucks for the one seeds, right, because they got nowhere to go but down, and it's great for the four seeds. But the question I want to ask you, Carver, is how serious are these teams taking those games? Those games with those top four seeds, because I've seen a lot of unders. I haven't, I've seen it be more like a preseason. Motivation is a very interesting thing in these restarts. Am I crazy, or are these top four seeds, both sides, kind of like, you know, still kind of uh, going half speed? I think the best way to describe these games, Dane, is glorified scrimmages. 
I, uh, I, I honestly think that that's the way to do it. Now, obviously, when you were a team as dominant in the regular season as the Boston Bruins were, uh, they were awesome. I mean, there's a chance that they're going to get screwed here. Uh, I mean, they're, they're a bad week away from potentially being the four seed in the East and having to play possibly the Penguins in the first round of the right. playoffs, which just isn't fair at all to them. But from what I've seen in these games, the only ones so far that had even a little bit of intensity that you would call playoff-type intensity was the third period of the Colorado-St. Louis game on Sunday. That had a lot of juice and a lot of intensity. And maybe Vegas's comeback in the third period last night against Dallas. Uh, the East uh. games, that that Boston-Philly game on Sunday, that was an absolute uh, glorified scrimmage. Uh, Boston didn't play a bunch of guys. Uh, Rask didn't play. Uh, you've seen uh, Carlson sit for Washington yesterday against Tampa. I think the teams are being cautious. Uh, you know, they don't want to lay it all out there because they know they have bigger games coming. They know they're already in mm -hmm. the playoff tree. Uh, the unders have hit in a bunch of these uh, aside from that Vegas game last night. I, I think the glorified scrimmage is the best way to uh, categorize these games. Now, Carver, we got a packed slate here. There's six games. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about that under trend that you've been mentioning and try and get an idea as to why you think that might be. Is it rust for these teams or is this maybe going to be the normal uh, as you know, we get more uh, adjusted to playoff hockey at the, uh, at the end of last week before they started playing, I was kind of contributing that it could happen just because these teams haven't played in four and a half months and playoff hockey is usually such a, a higher level of intensity. And it comes after playing a long, Five-month, 82-game regular season. The teams ramp it up. You can feel it. I was kind of concerned at how these teams would come out after just being plopped down into these high-intensity games. You combine that with, you know, three games in a day at the same rink, uh, especially mm. late in the day. Those ice surfaces, they're going to get tricky. I mean, you watched last night, mm. even though it's one of the four games that actually went over. I mean, the puck was rolling all over the place in the Edmonton game uh, against Chicago. So I think having the same game on rinks is a bit of a factor. But for me, it's more they haven't played in four and a half months. And it takes oh. a little bit of time to get back up to that level. You've seen a lot of 2-1 games. Now, this is also going to get down to, you saw last night, you know, the Pittsburgh-Montreal game. Uh, listen, playoff caliber game. Both teams were going for it. There was a, an edge to the game. There was a bite. But it was an under because it was a typical type of playoff game where the stakes are so high. Uh, you know, you're not letting us go. Now, Chicago Edmonton's like a, that's a pond hockey thing that's going on with those two teams. <laughs> it's kind of bananas. They're the outlier right now. But 12 of the first 16 games over the first three days of the NHL playoffs, all under so far. And that's five and a half unders, not six and a half unders. It's pretty crazy. Carver, I got to ask you this. You know, um, we bring you in as the hockey expert. You know, I am more of a casual hockey fan. But in all these other sports, right, Major League Baseball, we're talking about the different protocols that are in play, right? In the NBA bubble, we're talking about, we're seeing like the protocols on how you can return with the negative tests and what have you. I heard you on Coast to Coast yesterday talking about the situation with Tuka Rask. And I am very intrigued by that, okay? Because I understand the idea of needing to clear negative tests. But in the NHL, it seems like there's also an app where players are almost like self-reporting, and it seems like that may have been part of what Dean Tukarask not eligible to play. I want you to tell the people here on the early line what's going on with that part of the policy or process, and quite frankly, if that's what happens on the output on the back end, why the hell would any NHL player be like, yeah, I've got a little sniffle in the morning? 
Yeah, it seems like every morning they have to take a survey. It sounds like it's on their phone. Uh, it might be like the NBA where they have to go you know, into the big room where they test everybody every day. Right. But it sounded from the way Rask was describing it that he did the survey on his phone, and he said that he woke up with a bit of a cough. So when he put cough, he put yes on his phone, and then they shut him down. They basically quarantined him for two days and made him test negative twice. Before it's he got like back asking out there. a football player if they have a concussion, they're going to say no, Carver, right? I mean, well, like, not how is this part of the problem? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll tell you right now, he ain't going to say yes ever again on that app, Carver. Yeah, and he missed the game on Sunday because of it. Uh, he did not play in the game against the Flyers. Now, it wasn't now like we were just talking about with these round-robin games. Uh, was Did the game matter? Did the game quote-unquote count? I mean, it kind of does when you talk about seeding, but if this was the game one of the first round next week, would Rask have put that he had the cough? I know that now he's not going to, but it seems like they're and, – and, Dane, to be fair, you know, they've got zero positives out of 7,000 tests since they showed no, up. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I hear you, Carver. That's, a, that's good news. Of course. I want that, right? I don't want anybody to come down with this right. disease. Absolutely. I just think it's interesting where in Major League Baseball and the NBA, we're talking now so much about like individual player responsibility, right? Mm -hmm. To not go get chicken wings, to not go to a casino, right? But we're going to ask these NHL players, hey, how you feeling this morning? Yeah, it, it, it's, and that's part of the way that they're going to, I guess, try to keep this thing as controlled as they can. Uh, I think that now maybe with Rask letting that story out, guys hmm. might, you're right, guys might think differently about it going forward. I mean, Shesterskin didn't play for the Rangers on Saturday. People thought he was going to play. He was, quote, unfit to play. He has mm -hmm. not been forthcoming with why he didn't play. Maybe it's the same reason as Rask. Maybe he woke up with the sniffles, told them on the app, and maybe that's why he didn't play. Honesty is the best policy. But let's crack into these games. Uh, Islanders, minus 125, got a very nice 2-1 win to start this series against the Panthers. One of the more interesting teams because uh, George Kurtz, who I'm sure you've talked with a couple of times, is you know big Islanders fan, and he's very honest. He's like, look, this team was, was dead in the water, if not for the restart. But here they are now with a little bit of life. They get underway at noon. How do you feel about them at minus 125, total 5.5, plus 145 for that over? Yeah, and they were dead in the water in March because they were so banged up. I mean, they were missing yeah. so many guys that were key to what they did early in the year. They get Adam Pellick back. They get Casey Zizekas back. They get all these guys, and suddenly they become the structured defensive team that beat the Penguins in the first round last year that had a 17-game point streak back in October and November when the season started. This Islander team looks like that team. I know it's only two games, and one of them was an exhibition against the Rangers, but they have that feel to them. You love playing unders with the Islanders right now because you saw Saturday what they're about. They want to get two goals, three more likely. When they get three goals, they are an absolute lockdown. I think it's something like 34-5-2 since Trotz has been the coach when they score three goals. But they want to get their two or three goals, and they want to play defense and shut you down. And and honestly, guys, you know, top to bottom on the roster, the Islanders are better than Florida. You know, Florida has some major players. Alexander Barkov, big player. Jonathan Huberto, big player. But the Islanders, they can lock those guys down like they did the Crosby in the first round last year. Like the Islanders today, it's crazy if they go up 2-0. But that under 5.5, you get an Islander game with 5.5, you want to play it under. Fair enough, Carver. Let me get you out of here. Last one from me. I heard you guys again on Coast to Coast yesterday, and you guys both, in essence, thought the Penguins were done. Uh, but no, they came back and got a 3-1 win yesterday. I know you also think 
the Rangers are done. But they play again today against Carolina. Is there any chance there for the blue shirts to come on back? Or is King Longfist in gold pretty much as his like gold Rolex watch? Like, thanks for the memories. But now we're moving on. Yeah, Rangers in a little bit of a different situation. You're down 2-0 now here. They've got to win three in a row to advance against this Carolina team, which people were sleeping on before the playoffs. I watched them last year in the playoffs. They're a different team. They swarm you defensively, kind of like what the Islanders do. Uh, I know the Rangers swept them in the regular season, which is why people were so keen on them. But Carolina is a very good playoff hockey team. And here's the thing. you know, Winning three in a row from that team going to be very tough. Could the Rangers win tonight, take a little stab with them to extend it another game? I could absolutely see that. Penguins are not done at all. Uh, They were down 1-0. They get it even 1-1 last night. Wouldn't stun me if the Penguins win the next two from the Canadians, and then they move on. No problem for them. Uh, talk to me then, Carver. There's a couple other games that we haven't gotten to. Uh, of course, specifically uh, the non-seeding games. Uh, Coyotes-Predators is a close one. Minus 135 for the Preds to extend that lead. You look at the night game with the Wild uh, and the Canucks there. Again, another uh, tightly priced game. And then, of course, even uh, Flames-Jets, who are minus 160 favorites. Of those three games, does one uh, stand out amongst the rest as to what you're liking for the for these other games on the board? Absolute panic city for the Maple Leafs tonight. They have to have this game against Columbus. Uh, they're playing up there in their home city. I know that everybody's in the bubble. It doesn't matter. They're reading the papers. <clears throat> Up there in Toronto, they know that the pressure is on. They got locked up by the Blue Jackets the other night. Still like that under five and a half, but the I think the Leafs give you a little bit of an effort tonight and beat the Jackets. That I was stunned that Arizona beat up Nashville the way that they did on Sunday. I like Nashville to maybe get off the deck here today and even that series at one. And a back-to-back game three in that Jet Flames series, that is chippy. You watch the first two games, that is old-time yeah. hockey. They're beating Dirty. each other up. The Jets are missing their two best players. They lost Shifley uh, the other day. He gets hurt on a slew foot from Matthew Kachuk. They didn't have Patrick Laine in the lineup either. They still win yesterday. I like the Jets in the series. I like the Jets today to get up 2-1. And, of course, unders all across the board. Until it stops happening, I'm going to keep playing them. So let's go. <laughs> all right, Connor, you it. say, like in Nashville at minus 135, the Leafs at minus 165, maybe a little bit of plus money with the Winnipeg Jets at plus 135 tonight in the NHL. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. Garver, the door is always open. Anytime you (laughs) want to set your alarm and wake up and talk hockey with us, the invitation is there. All right, brother man? Guys, thanks for having me. I'm always up, man. I got a three-year-old running through the walls over here. So uh, trust me, I'm ready to rock whatever you guys are. Thanks, boys. Sounds good. And you can always catch Carver with the crew, with Ciano and, of course, Scotty Farrell on Coast to Coast right here on this network, 4 to 6 p.m. every weekday. Kev, I think it's interesting, this idea of those play-in games for the top four seeds, uh, you know, glorified scrimmages is what Carver called them. When I'm looking at the scoring, uh, when I look at what they have on the line for motivation, I think that is a good point and something you may be able to take advantage for in terms of value on these bets. Yeah, I think the biggest thing, too, when, when we start at the hockey board is just the fact that FanDuel pretty much will just put five and a half there and they'll figure out the juice from there. Uh, so <laughs> right. maybe you want to try and parlay some of these totals as well. But look, I mean, we've talked about it, right? These day games are fun. I don't mind getting my day started at noon back in uh, his Islanders mm-hmm. at minus 125. I think that might be a, a fun way to start yeah. the day. They have the potential that he is talking about. They do. And if he sees that from this group early on, That gets me excited. Minus 125 is not a bad price to pay. 
Fair enough. We will also see if the Rangers show any pride today. They are already down to nothing. Will they get banged out or will they, you know, kind of uh, show that they still have a little bit of fight left? When we come back, we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of The Early Line. We find out what's coming up next on the morning after, giving you the edge right here on Sports Grid. Come on back after these messages. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, thanks again, everybody, for rejoining us here on SportsGrid, where we give you the edge. And listen, you know it if you watch this network. We are just getting started with our incredible programming here on the early line. Then the morning after, FST, coast to coast, we had Carver on earlier. Game time decisions, that's what we do here, giving you the edge. And up next is the morning after, and so we are lucky enough to be joined by Jared Smith here for a minute or two. And Jared, I got to tell you, um, I am very, very intrigued by a baseball game that is taking place at 7.30 tonight that I never would have cared about before. It's happening in Baltimore, where the Miami Marlins are playing for the first time in like a week. We saw the Phillies last night play for the first time in a long time with Garrett Cole as their reward. But I got to tell you, they put up a couple of runs against Garrett Cole, even after that kind of delay or break. What do you expect out of this, I don't know, quasi-triple-A team that the Marlins are running out now with all that has gone on after the break. I mean, the Orioles aren't the toughest matchup, but it's got to be tough. they got to be behind the eight ball, right, Jared? Yeah, I would expect that game to start slow. I also expect uh, Josh Means to bounce back, who's who's a better pitcher than, than that you know, initial record. <laughs> Yeah, he, he he got the short end of a tough of a tough matchup against the Yankees in his opener. I think he's going to bounce back today against a better lineup. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind betting Baltimore in this game. I, I certainly can't fault you uh, if you do, and I know that's not something you make a lot of money on if you do that often, but uh, it feels like a spot where you would think Miami uh, is going to probably be a step behind the eight ball. These are two powerhouses. People got to give them their respect. Jared, only like 20 <laughs> seconds. Uh, the Bucks are laying 17 and a half against the Chris led Nets. We laying it or what? I, so I did a stat on this. Here you go. Ready? Uh, the, I saw it. I saw that the the teams of 42 games in the last 20 years have been booked at 18 points or higher in the NBA. The underdog, 24-17-1 ATS. I, I told you, Kev. Play. Give me the Nets and 17 points because Giannis ain't playing the <laughs> you second You said half take him anyway. on the money line. That <laughs> well, was 12-1. The morning after is up next. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 